0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. I saw a meme the other day that uh, I found pretty funny and sadly very true. It said, you know, one of the miracles people forget about is the fact that Jesus had 12 close friends in his early 30s. And, of course, that's funny, right? Because as someone who is almost 30, 29 this year, uh, counting down until that dreadful day when uh, I turn 30 and need to write a will, and, you know, life is pretty much over at that time. Um, just kidding. <laughs> if you're a Friends fan, maybe you'll you'll understand where I'm coming from there. of uh, The TV show, Friends. But... Also, today's topic is friendship, specifically, how do you make friends? (laughs) And so that was a lame joke and way to enter into it. But we're exiting a global pandemic, and we were locked down for some of us a year, some of us two years, some of us three years. And we were masked up, and we were afraid to hug and to shake hands and to go out in public and to be with a crowd of people. So we kept our circles small. We kept it to people we maybe could trust to be clean. Maybe people that we could trust to handle our health vulnerabilities, our immunal vulnerabilities. And the result is about half of Americans now report that they have less than three close friends. Which is twice as many Americans as reported that about 30 years ago. And a very small percentage of Americans say that they have 10 close friends. Not that that percentage has ever been huge. And... There's something interesting, too, that I think kind of goes with this. I think that if you're raised in the church, there's something difficult, especially if you're homeschooled, about making friends. And so how do you make friends as a Christian? That's today's question. To be honest, I don't fully know. C.S. Lewis says that friendship is just the simple statement of, oh, you too, as two people bond over mutual interests, right? And and certainly statistics on friendship, uh, are very interesting. Ben Franklin once said, show me who a man's friends are and I'll tell you who that man will be in 10 years or something of the sort. I'm paraphrasing, not exactly quoting. But the principle is still there, actually. You really do become the people you hang out with. You actually, like psychological studies are showing that you actually have the same accents as the people you hang out with, right? That of your five closest friends, you will make an average of all of their income. You'll serve their gods, too, according to the book of Ruth. And I think that there's something very, very important to glean from Christianity about friendship that really I think the church doesn't glean as much, and I'll admit it. I, I worked in a church for three years, and, well, damn, it's hard to make friends there, <laughs> you know? Because just, just, uh, on the one hand, like, the church is full of snakes, Right, and, and I'm going to say that again so you don't mishear me on that. The church is full of snakes. And if you've been burned by the church, you need to know that. right? And you probably already know that. So fair enough. But, but there are people there that aren't snakes too. And if you're new to a church or you're joining a fellowship or you're joining a Bible study or a small group or whatever they want to call it, there are snakes there. Watch out. Right? There are people that won't be fully honest. There are people that will gossip. There are people that will judge you. There are people that will slander. There are people that will tell you what you're doing is wrong, even if it's not necessarily wrong, right? And that's, there's a harsh judgment that comes. There's a biting. There's a venom that's present in church relationships sometimes, and it sucks, and it's hard to maintain long contact and, and connectedness and relationships with people that are snakes, but you should judge people in the church too right not judge harshly and you know say well you're going to hell because you listen to this kind of music or you wear that kind of clothing or or you drive that kind of thing or you do whatever right show up to these kinds of places or events or hang out with these kinds of people or or have this kinds of person in your in your family and, and certainly there's room for correction and so what i'm not saying is that you shouldn't Correct lovingly correct and disciple someone, but but that's not what we're talking about here. You should judge and discern who's worthy to be your friend, right? And 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 so don't mishear me on this. This isn't this isn't going to be about money, but I think money's easy to visualize. And I just said that of your five closest friends, statistically, you end up having an average income of all of them, right? So so if we kind of backpedal that. And really think about how do we make friends and who do we choose in our lives to be our friends? Well, if we're if we're just out to get rich, right? If we're just thinking financially and we're, we're choosing friends, well, what's your choice? Your choice is going to be, I want the people with the highest salaries possible to be my five closest friends, because if I'm going to be an average of all of them, I want the highest average possible, right? I don't, don't want to be friends with poor people. My gosh. And of course, that's not a Christian thing. And I'm not saying that. Don't get me wrong. But there's a principle there right and and yeah i guess if all if life is only about money to you then fine then just take the principle i just said and run with it but but there's something there where it's like i'm going to discern and choose people that i want to be like to be my friends and that's that's a radically intelligent idea you know and there may be a financial component to that you, you may look at someone and say they're radically generous they're radically transparent and wise with their finances and i want to hang out with this person more and learn how they do life maybe someone's a great spouse or a great parent <laughs> and you say i want to learn to be that one day right maybe someone's really good at relationships and you're single and you say i want to hang out with married people to see what marriage looks like and as I'm saying this, it kind of sounds selfish, right? Like it's coming out of my mouth and I'm just thinking like, man, there's something there where it's like, that's not entirely the Christian way to go because we are supposed to be friends with sinners like Christ was, right? Be friends with people from Podunk, Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, right? And, and so there's something there where it's like, okay, we're also supposed to be friends with people that we don't want to be like. And and th- that is a, a a pretty key thing to do. At the same time, the snakes thing is true, too. And people you don't like want to be like are also snakes, and you don't want to befriend the snakes. And so part of figuring out how to be friends with someone in the church, and really the world, too, right, is just, is just to determine how do you actually identify who the snakes are. And and I can speak to the church aspect, and it carries over into the, the secular, worldly aspect as well. But in the church, snakes are charismatic. And... <laughs> Maybe there's an association here because Satan was a worship leader, but I do know that I have found in my experience, and I'm not saying all worship leaders are snakes, but a lot of snakes gravitate towards being worship leaders in the church. And again, there's some really awesome worship leaders I know. If you go back a few episodes, I had Stephen Christian on the podcast. That man is not a snake at all, right? That is is a genuine, uh, wonderful human being who's a great friend. But there's a certain aspect to being a snake and watching out for snakes, where it's like, snakes will tell you what you want to hear. And that's that's the deception, right? <laughs> and, and fair enough, I guess the first ever deceiver was a snake too. And, and that's where we get this language from anyway, right? That Satan himself was a, a serpent, a slithery, conniving, uh, charismatic, outgoing, very eloquent serpent. And he said what Eve wanted to hear, and so therefore she ate the fruit. And if a friend is only telling you what you want to hear, or you and this friend are clicking and agreeing on everything, watch out. You might just, just encounter someone that doesn't know how to think. And, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's possible. There's a lot of people in this day and age that don't know how to think. Certainly, right? And so that, that may be the case. And, and maybe you should be their friend, and you can show them how to think. And you can show them how to question and to doubt and to be a skeptic. And, and, and you might develop one of the truest and greatest friendships out of that. I know certainly well and, and and this gets to the point, right that if your friends are if you're encountering someone that's challenging you to think and someone that's disagreeing with you and and showing you how wrong you are and maybe even making you look stupid, it's like maybe you should hold on to that person because they might be a friend worth keeping. Some of my best friends make me feel stupid, and I love them for it because they challenge my brain, they challenge my thoughts they. They, they say, did God really say, but not in the serpent way to get me to do things, but in, in the way where we're where they're trying to figure out the wants and will of God, and, and I am too, and they know I am, and, and, and we're trying to figure out, and we're trying to just have these conversations and say, what is God's will? What does God want? What does God desire? Hey, you're in sin. Stop that, right? Hey, you're doing something stupid. Hey, you are stupid. I'm going to tell you you're stupid because I love you. Man, and maybe that's how you avoid the snakes. You just, you find people that that rub you. Maybe the wrong way. Maybe like iron sharpening iron, right? I don't know. Certainly, stay away from people that only agree and only are charming and only are charismatic. There's something dangerous there. And, and it might not manifest itself for years and years and decades later, but it's a wise warning to consider, at the very least. And so that's tough. And that kind of... Brings out a principle then in friendship, right? And 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 friendship is divine. Make no mistake about it. Marriage is divine. Parent-child relationships are divine. But but friendship doesn't get its due in Christian circles, right? <laughs> there, there, there isn't a sermon series on friendship like there is on marriage. Right? <laughs> like just just drive you know around some churches in in your town, and you'll see one, maybe two of them, maybe, maybe all of them, I don't know, are doing some series on marriage at some point this month or this year. And if they're not, they're doing one on parenting. And there's a focus there, right? And there's a focus on on how to parent and how to train up a child in the way he shall go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. And children, honor your father and mother uh, so that your days may be long, right? And certainly all those things are true. And he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And and, and all of that's true. But But there isn't a season-long series on friendship. Even though the Bible has a lot to say about it, I mean, certainly Jesus says, Greater love has none than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. And today I no longer call you my servants, but my friends. Solomon said two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him. Also, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A horde of three strands is not quickly broken. And we talk about that with marriage. And, and fair enough, because friendship is the basis of marriage too, right? So I'm not, I'm not discrediting that, but that definitely is about friendship. A friend loves at all times, Proverbs says, and a brother is born for a time of adversity, right? Paul said, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. There's friendship there. And that's part of what discipleship is. If we're gonna take Jesus seriously. Jesus said that the disciples were his friends and they were just walking to Jerusalem to the cross together as friends. And that's what a true Christian friendship is. And so how do you make friends? Well, you go to the cross. And if someone's gonna go along with you, you can call them a friend. And certainly, I don't discredit the, the C.S. Lewis quote that I said earlier. Obviously, common interest is a real practical application side to this idea of making friends. And so, you know, yes, have an interest in in discipleship. Yes, have an interest in spiritual things. Yes, have an interest in reading the Bible. Yes, have an interest in being involved in Christian community. But also, just really practically, have other interests. You know, go 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 work out. Go dance. Go mountain bike. Like, do anything but be a boring, hyper-spiritualized, hyper-judgmental, just Christian lump. And secular too, right? Like, like you might be listening to this and you might not be Christian, but it's like, be interesting. Don't be boring. Go, I don't know, make videos or, or do, do crazy things, right? Um, because if you don't have an interest, well, you're not interesting and no one's going to want to be your friend. It's kind of just the, the real practical side of it, right? So so part of that is just figure out who you are. Figure out um, how you can even live with yourself. <laughs> and of course, I don't mean that in an offensive way. But 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 really, like, how do, how do you live with yourself? Again, we're coming off of this pandemic lockdown, right? And we were all locked inside. And, and maybe it's time to reinvent yourself a little. Maybe it's time to find those hobbies, to go out and try four dozen things. And maybe two or three of them stick. And maybe you'll find some really close friends there. But it's like one of the main things you have to do is actually talk and and talk about things other than what you're doing of interest at that point, right? So I I have a group of guys that I go mountain biking with, and we don't talk about mountain biking. And then we, we talk about our marriages, we talk about our lives, we talk about what we're reading, both in the Bible, not in the Bible. Like we we taught, we, it's almost an entire day long event of just hanging out, we eat some food, we have some coffee, we go on, on these bike rides, and, and we talk. And I assume they know something I don't. And that's another really key part of friendship. If you think you're okay as you are, if you think you know it all, and if you want someone to agree with you, you're going to be lonely and isolated. If you think you might be wrong and you think you might still have a lot to figure out in life and and you think that someone's doing something and it looks weird and and it looks and, and, you know, maybe they're super way more liberal than you (laughs) ever want to be. And maybe they're super way more conservative, like they stormed the Capitol or something. Right. Maybe not that bad, but but maybe they're they're doing something that you're just like, gosh how in the world can anyone do that? It's like, go ask them. They, they might be a genuine person and they might challenge you and they might challenge your beliefs. And don't, don't mishear me. Please don't go storm any capitals or anything. That's not what I'm trying to get out of this podcast episode. But, but what I'm saying is, is, be willing to have those conversations that are awkward. Be willing to have those conversations where it's like they're going to say something and it's going to it's gonna rub you the wrong way. It's, it's going to iron sharpen and iron and and, and you're going to get to push back too. And, and you might get in an argument and it's like, yes, get in an argument. Seriously, that's what friends do. Do it and maybe let them change your mind. Your life might be a lot more beautiful if you do. And certainly being with people in times of adversity is also something incredibly valuable. As I've mentioned before, I've been reading Lord of the Rings lately, and there is this passage at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring that I keep coming back to, where Frodo is about to set off on his journey alone. It's a dangerous journey, and Gandalf told him about it, and he's about to abandon his three closest friends in the middle of the night until they confront him and say, we know all about the ring, we know all about the plan, and we're going to go with you. And Gandalf told us everything. And so Frodo's, like, pissed, right? And, and he just says, it, it doesn't seem like I can trust anyone. And Sam looked at him unhappily. I'm quoting now from The Fellowship of the Ring. It all depends on what you want, put in Mary. You can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin, to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. Anyway, there it is. We know most of what Gandalf has told you. We know a good deal about the ring. We are horribly afraid, but we are coming with you or following you like hounds. And I think Tolkien touches on maybe the most fundamental part of friendship in this day and age, maybe in any day and age, but I don't be so bold as to uh, claim to be making one of those kinds of statements. But I think in this day and age where everyone's afraid, no, not everyone, I can't make that either, where most people are afraid of something where anxiety is on the rise, depression is on the rise, the feeling of loneliness, despair, friendlessness is certainly growing. Maybe that's the new epidemic we're stepping into. Maybe. There's something about being the one to do the digging, something about being the one to come along and do the defending and do the carrying of the friendship that is needed. I think especially in Christian circles. Yeah, you don't really wanna go along and defend a snake So, have some discernment. Try to understand who someone is at their deepest level. Ask them questions. Like, deep and meaningful questions. See where they spend their time. See where they look. Do they look lustfully at things? Do they look greedily at things? Do they look materialistically at things? Maybe. Maybe we all do. But is there some genuineness behind the person? Is there some redeemable quality that gives you a hope that this person will one day look like Christ? And maybe no, and maybe you should still be their friend anyway. And maybe you should still go the extra mile for them, (laughs) to quote Jesus, right? If someone compels you to go with him one mile, go with him too, is what Jesus said. And maybe we don't just do that with our enemies. Maybe we don't just do that with people we see as a quote-unquote ministry opportunity, but maybe we just do that with people we like. Maybe we just do that with people that we look up to or people that we, we get along with and we make them laugh and they make us laugh. Maybe we learn how to just sit and watch cars drive by (laughs) or watch the rain or just watch nothing and talk for an hour or two. Maybe we learn how to drink coffee more slowly or tea more slowly. And we definitely don't abandon people when life gets hard. We're there. We say, what do you need? We say, I'm the kind of person that's going to call you every day and make sure you're okay if that's what I need to do. I'm the kind of person that's going to make you food or pick it up if I have no cooking ability. A brother is born for adversity, the Bible says. And I mentioned Ruth at the start of this podcast. And I think that there's something, you know, a lot of, a lot of theologians and historians think that the story of Ruth was passed down through generations in her family to her great-grandson David, and to her great-great-grandson Solomon, and that Proverbs 31 was actually written about Ruth. And Proverbs 31, if you're not familiar with it, is this, like, ideal woman. And she's strong, and she's smart, and and she's amazing and adorned in grace, and, oh my gosh, you should just go read Proverbs 31 if you haven't read it. But, But historians think that that was oral tradition of Ruth's character passed down through her family line and ultimately written by Solomon in Proverbs. But her journey starts out with a friendship with her mother-in-law, her former mother-in-law, because her mother-in-law's son, Ruth's husband, died. And so that relationship could have fizzled out and ended, and, and so Naomi's, both of Naomi's sons died, and Orpah just let the relationship fizzle and end, and she went back to her home country, and she went back to her people and her gods, and Naomi told Ruth to do the same, but, but Ruth said, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God, and your people will be my people. And it's like, wow, Ruth... And, and maybe that's the foundation of a Proverbs 31 woman, right? And maybe that's the foundation if you're single and looking for a mate that you should look for in a mate is that they can be a friend because that is the pure Jesus-like friendship. And and so Ruth stands out <laughs> as, as this character of friendship. Where you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And obviously, I'm not saying say your God will be my God to someone who is an atheist or something different or has, you know, a God that you don't believe in or see the flaws. That's not what I'm saying at all. Right. But, but there's something there where it's that commitment of regardless of what happens in life, I'm in it with you. We're going to go up to this mountain Frodo (laughs) and, and, and we might die and we're scared to death, but you can trust that we're here and that we'll keep your secret and we'll walk with you. So, yeah, I, I don't know. How do you have friends? I think you have to put in a lot of work I think maybe there's times where you feel like you're doing more work than they're doing, right? Where you feel like, man, I'm a better friend than they are. And there's certainly times where it's the other way around. Uh, that is for sure true. But that's okay if you're the one always texting, always reaching out for a while, right? It won't be that way forever. But maybe you need to be for a season. Maybe you need to be for a long season. Because I I, I feel like in this culture, the natural state of people is isolation. The natural state of things is To not have friends, the natural state of things is to sit home and stare at a screen and do some activity related to it. And I'm not saying you can't do that with friends, but there's an isolating trend that comes with a lot of that. And I think the most countercultural thing needed from the Christian church in this moment is friendship. Pure, humble, silly, loving, persevering friendship. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Let me know what you think. As always, feel free to write in, feel free to email. Um, I'm posting somewhat on social media again, so (laughs) definitely message me there. And I won't ignore you, I will get to your question. As a matter of fact, I have a burning question from someone on social media that I need to answer. And so tune in next week as I will be answering the question uh can christian smoke weed and we'll be having a very special guest for that one so stay tuned and as always thank you so much for listening and i hope you've enjoyed the show